And that's very biblical because without Him we can do nothing, but with Him we can do all things. If I could get one of the Johnston clan back there to flip on the lights, that would be great. And you can turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 6. Now, I said I've already preached it, and I've already been in the service where I heard the songs that would be sung tonight. But let me tell you about Psalms chapter 6. It's a tough preach Wednesday night, and Psalms chapter 6 is a tough preach tonight, even though I've already preached it. Now, one of the things that makes Psalms chapter 6 tough to preach is because the Psalms are not in chronological order. And man, that can throw us into a little bit of a tizzy because we preach this psalm and that psalm and it's been after an event of some kind. Remember what psalms is, tragedy, trial, trust the Lord and triumph. It's just a roller coaster through psalms. That's what it is. And sometimes... The Psalms gets tough because it's not in chronological order. Remember, we've been Psalms 3, 4, and 5. And David's been confessed up. He's got his relationship back with God. It's forgiven, but he's still suffering through the consequences of his son Absalom trying to kick him off the throne. But that's what Psalms 3, 4, and 5 is. And we come to 6... He's still trying to get this sin and this confession and all this made. And so it, it kind of, man, boy, we've been through that. I've done preached that. And now here we are back when this sin is weighing so heavy on his heart. So one of the things that makes Psalms tough, or the Bible, Brother Les, you know that, history major. Look here, what makes it so tough is our Bible is not in chronological order. And we may read something here. But it happened before something way back here, and sometimes that makes it tough for you and I to get a grasp on the situation. After I come to Psalm 6 and study it this week, it really made me consider, Brother Mike, getting one of those chronological Bibles that's in order where you can read this stuff in order because sometimes that throws you in a little bit of a tizzy and makes it, especially when you're preaching through a book and you've preached recently on that. But here's what I want to say before we bail into Psalms chapter 6. If your entire theology is God is love and do not judge, you don't have biblical Christianity. You've got Oprah Winfrey. I want to say that one more time. If your entire theology is God is love and He would never do something, never be mean, never be have wrath, never would send it. God is love, and you're not to judge, then you don't have a biblical theology. You don't have Christianity. You've got Oprah Winfrey. That's what the movie stars preach. Dad's having a beer with God, and he's underwear in heaven. What in the world? And so when you come to Psalms chapter 6 and the judgment of Almighty God has come down on David, it blows that Oprah theology out of the water. 
God is love, and He loves so much, and He's so holy, He chastens. And I promise you, He intends for you and I as children of God to hold one another accountable. And when we've been a little farther down the line and we've been under the chastening hand of God, listen, when we see somebody else going down that same road, listen, it's not judging when you go to that brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, I've been down that road, been there, been in the woodshed with Almighty God. He chastens whom He loves. He means what He says in Hebrews chapter 12. And He don't only say what He means, He means what He says. And you'll go, and, and when we do that, what's our world? tell us oh quit judging me we're not judging you we're just trying to tell you you don't want to fall under the chastening hand of almighty god and so david right here in psalms chapter six he understands god is love but god is holy and he will judge and he will chasten now here's the big word pentatential Pentatential. What's that mean? Look it up. But here's what I found out when I opened Psalms, a commentary on Psalms chapter 6. And a lot of times I don't open them, I just, but I had to have some help here. And here's what I learned about Psalms chapter 6. It's one of seven pentatential Psalms. 150 Psalms and seven of the 150 are penitential. Penance, repentance. Somebody's done wrong. And they're humbled by it. They're being chastened by it. And we can read about them crying out to God. Why are they crying out to God? Because they're penitent. They're getting chastened. If you want to look at the others... You look at one, Psalms chapter 6, that's one of the seven. Then you can look at Psalms 32, 38, 51, Psalms 102, 130, and 138. i seen that. I didn't waste my breath because more of you wrote that down than not, so you'll go read every one of those. Well, you're a tough crowd tonight. This makes me think of those times when somebody will say to me, Boy, I wish you could see your face when you're preaching. And I look at them and I said, I wish, I, I wish you could see yours. And not only yours, I wish you could see the whole crowd's face that I'm preaching to. That's why my face looks like my face looks because I'm looking at you folks' faces. You are a tough crowd tonight. You care just slap yourself just a little bit tonight? Slap yourself just a little bit? Wake up just a little bit? Psalms chapter 6. I want to pound out, point out two things. Don't know how many subs and sub points they'll have. But the first thing I want to point out in Psalms chapter 6 is David's sad condition. I want to point out David's sad condition. You're going to find two things. He's weak and he's weary. Look right there at verse 2. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. You're going to find that he says also further down in the Psalms, I am weary. Now, it's one thing to be weak. It's another thing to be weary. 
But when you cause the weakness that you're experiencing and the weariness that you're experiencing, it's a whole different deal. His sad condition is he had fell off into a gross, hideous sin and he's weak and he's weary because he has fallen under the chastening hand of Almighty God. Now, the first thing I point out is his plight. I looked that up so it's not like penitential. I can tell you what it means. When I say his plight, it's a difficult or unfortunate situation. He's weak and he's weary. He's put himself in a difficult and unfortunate situation. And what's sad about it, this is the man, Brother Marty, that not anybody other than the Holy Spirit himself said, that's a man after my own heart. The Holy Spirit said that. The Word of God's inspired by the Spirit of God. And look here. It's recorded in Scripture. David is a man after God's own heart. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing when any child born again, blood-washed child of God falls off into sin. But to me, it is so much sadder when it's someone like David who once was so in tune and in touch and had the blessings of God on their life. David had that. Now, it's, it, it's, to me, it's just a sad thing to see somebody that had that much power of God in their life to find themselves where they found him. Any Christian, but isn't it magnified? Is it just me? Somebody that knows better, that knows God chastens you, that knows better. He did that. Jimmy Swagger. Folks, have you ever listened to that man preach? I think he was in tune and touch with God. And one day found him in a sad, found himself in a sad condition. And he can be forgiven by God, and I believe he has. But only God knows the heart. You don't have to leave here and believe what I said. God knows that. But the consequences, sad condition. David, that's him here. That's Jimmy Swagger. That's that's somebody that's been in tune and in touch. That's his plight. And so he's weak. How's he weak? Well, number one, he's weak spiritually. Look what he says. He says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Doesn't that sound like counsel that a dad gets? Now, when your kid does wrong and you grab your belt and you're you're red-faced and you're so mad you can't stand it, a, a good counselor would say, Now, daddies, cool down before you discipline your child. Am I the only one that's heard that kind of ca- No, good advice, daddies. Good advice, mamas. When your child really does wrong and you get so mad you could bite 16 penny nails in two, probably the best thing you can do is just stay away from that child. They still need discipline. I'm, spare the rod, spoil the child. I had old Brock Plank with me this week. And I asked him when I read Psalms chapter 6, 
Wednesday morning. I said, your dad and mom ever whoop you? I've seen him lift him off the ground with his ear. I asked him what he was. He said, oh, between 100 and 105. How would you like to 105 pounds hanging off your earlobe? I said, you ever run in circles when they're whooping you? He said, I tried. It just makes it worse. So look here. Spiritually, he's so weak. He's begging God, please let your anger cool down. Don't discipline me while you're hot. I think one of the, I used him this morning to open the sermon, Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, maybe never, but if he did, it was seldom, had to apologize to a teammate, an opponent, or a referee. You know why? Did you ever hear his theory on that? Don't ever do an interview before you take a shower and put on your suit. You know what Michael Jordan knew? When you're mad and when you're hot, there's a good chance you could say or do something that you're terribly going to regret. That's the ideology behind telling parents when you discipline your kids, cool down before you do it, or it may be a little harsh. David, pretty bold. Now, God, you've been chasing me. I'm weak spiritually. Why don't you just cool down just a little bit? Have we not seen David's boldness to talk to God? I mean, it's one thing to say, Dad, can you just cool down before you whoop me? But I'm telling you, David's pretty weak spiritually, and he's begging God, back off this disciplining. Cool down. Don't discipline me in your hot displeasure. I'm already weak enough. My sin has broken my heart. Listen, I know I've got to be chasing, but enough. I'm so weak, it's enough. There's certain people that you can just get on them and say, and Dave's to that point. So he's weak spiritually, but look here. He's weak physically. Look at verse 2. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, and then there's silence. But I want to point out, not only is he spiritually weak and asking the Lord to back off of your hot displeasure and your anger. I mean, I've been disciplined enough. I've been under your hand. But now he's weak physically. And when you read the commentaries, and, and, and I want you to remember the statement I opened up with tonight. If your theology says God is love and he does not chasten and do not judge, you don't have biblical Christianity. You got Oprah. Look here. He is physically sick. Do you know some commentators believe that God struck him with leprosy right here? He's physically sick. Heal me. My bu- and he knew that his sickness come from the chastening hand of the Lord. And when you preach this, some people, well, God's love, he wouldn't strike you or discipline you with sickness. Did he not get Moses' sister? With leprosy? Did he not get 
people all through the Bible, when they needed chasten, did he not strike them with a physical ailment? Come on, do you read your Bible? And you say, and I even got a call after I preached it Wednesday night. Yeah, but the New Testament, we're not, we're under grace and because of the cross. I said Hebrews 12, still in the New Testament. We did discipline, but I'm not sure. And it was in love. It wasn't nobody jumping all over the preacher. It was in love. He said, I'm just not sure that he still strikes people with sickness. I said, would you go read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and call me back? Anybody know what 1 Corinthians 11 is? Take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And because you do, many of you are sick. And many sleep among you. Worse than sick, he killed some of them. That's New Testament. How about James chapter 5? I think James, when he talks about if somebody's sick, pray. If somebody's joyful, sing psalms. If you're sick, let him call from the elders and anoint their head with oil. And it goes down there. And if you, if you, if you get a soul saved, you turn someone from death. I mean, I, I, it's not in my notes. Go read it. I think James is saying, you got some that are joyful among you. They're living in the will of God. Rejoice. Sing with them. You got some of them that are sick. Pray for them that they may be healed. But if you're sick among you, call for the elders. Doesn't James chapter 5 say, confess your sins to one another? I think James was clearly stating, some of you are sick because of the chastening hand of God. You've got sin in your life. You're physically sick because of it. And listen, you better call for the elders. You better get the sin confessed. You better get right with God. Or listen, your prayers for healing, they're not going to get above the ceiling. Come on, read your Bible. God still disciplines in a lot of different ways, and one of them is physical sickness. Do you understand that? And if you don't believe it, can I tell you what I told that guy on the phone? 1 Corinthians 11, James chapter 5. Go read it. Come to your own conclusion with that. But here's why I think it says confess your sins to one another. David's fessed up. Psalms 51, it was one of the penitential psalms. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you get weak and you're sick, if you don't confess the sins, the one who's faithful and just and forgive you of your sins, let me tell you what that's like. If the sickness comes from sin in your life and you don't get it confessed and repented of, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a cancer tumor. There ain't no healing there until it's confessed and repented of and then God can lift the chastening. And what David's saying right here is, spiritually, I am weak. I mean, I've had enough. Cool down. I'm repented. I'm weak spiritually. But I'm asking you to heal these bones. I believe with all of my heart that David was struck with the physical sickness. That was part of the chastening he got right here. So he says, I'm weak. We're talking about his plight. We're talking about his difficult or unfortunate situation that he caused. And it's spiritually weak. It's physically weak, but it's morally weak. Look what he says. My soul, verse 3, also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord. Does your Bible have a line right there? 
But you, O Lord, does it have a line? Tell me he ain't weak. What's that line represent? But you, O Lord. And he was so weak, Bobby couldn't get nothing out. It just silenced. I've messed up morally. It's got me so weak. But you, O Lord, and just silence. There's only a couple places in the Bible where somebody's prayed like this and so heartbroken. Aren't you glad the Spirit intercedes for us when we don't even know what to say? Liquid prayers is what one preacher of yesteryear said tears are. They're liquid prayers. And he's just silent. He's sobbing so hard. And we'll see it in a minute. He can't even talk. There's just silence. Let me tell you the other place you'll find this in the Bible. Remember when Moses come down off the mountain when God says, hey, your people, they've done went and built a golden calf down there. You better get down. When he comes down there and God's fixing to wipe them out and start all over with, with remember? Moses gets so broken hearted. This prayer is, don't do that, Lord. If you do that, you can blot me out. He was so broken over the sin of his people. Can you imagine? Moses being so broke, he couldn't eat. He just asked the Lord not to do it. And then there was just silence. That's what that is. And he's crying and he says, how long? How long are you going to chasten me? Can you see how weak I am? Can you see my spiritual and my physical and my moral condition? How long are you going to continue to chasten me? So we see his plight, we see his difficult, and we see his unfortunate situation. But there was nobody to blame but himself. And so we see his sad condition. But not only was he weak, he was weary. Look at verse 6. I am weary with my groaning. Now I said tears. One preacher of yesteryear says that's liquid prayers. Look right here. I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. Now, how many tears you got to shed before your bed can swim in it? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm pretty sure David's cried his eyes out. Here's what I know about Chrissy Braddock yesterday. Truett walked in. I can't even imagine seeing a little boy when you've lost yours. She got up and she left. And when we walked out there, those tears were just barely coming out. And she said, I'm sorry, I just, I just seen Arliss when that little boy come in. She said, my tears are just dust. She said, I have cried so many tears. It feels like dust is coming out of my eyes. I don't know how much Chrissy Braddock has cried. I can't even imagine. David's in a sad condition. All these tears is not... uh, These tears is because he sinned against God. That's a lot of tears when you say, All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows old because all of my enemies. Look here and listen. David thought he had covered this sin up. Do you understand that? Remember? It's Bathsheba. 
Remember? Got the husband called back in. Tried to get him to sleep again with Bathsheba, where, where when she's with child, they won't think nothing of it when she has the child. Hey, Uriah, come in. They had a night to get, but remember, Uriah wouldn't do it. So what's he do? He hands him the, his death sentence, tells the, the, the commanding officer, stick him on the front lines and what? Withdraw from him. What's that mean? I want him dead. So when she has this kid, there's only one guy that's going to know he didn't sleep with her that night I called him in, and that's me. So when this child's born, do you see David thought he had it covered up? And business was as usual in the palace. Now, he had a conscience that was burning in him, and Nathan the prophet has showed up and put his finger on his sin. And he's got these penitential psalms where he's broken about it. And he's getting right with God, but he thinks it's just, God's the only one knows. But here's the point. Now the people have seen that he's sick. Well, the king's weak. He would go ahead and, 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 and judge cases like kings did in Bible days during the day. He would still go out to the entertainment where they had big dinners and big parties for the kings of that day. But the whole time he was doing it inside, he knew he was getting eat up by the sin that he had committed against God and he was putting on a front. He was fooling the people, but he hadn't fooled God. And when he got home after those days, the tears started coming. The bed started swimming. The couch is drenched. But everybody else thought, it's all right, but, you know, time took its toll. Be sure your sin will find you out. Now, somebody said, we're hearing the king cry and weep at night. We're seeing the king's countenance. And here's a man that's mighty in God. And what did he say? My enemies know now. I'm weak and I'm weary. And let me tell you the danger about a king becoming weak and them sensing weakness and sensing a problem. If you're ever going to take him down, now's the time. He can't sleep at night. He's weak. He's crying at night. He's not himself. He's weary. That's a sad condition for a man that once had the power of God in his life. That ought to cause all of us to want to abstain from sin and put ourselves in a plight, a difficult or unusual situation. Life brings enough of those anyways. Can I get an amen without us causing them ourselves? Can you see David? He's weak and he's weary. That's a sad, sad condition. He's wearing out and it's getting old. But I said just two points tonight. You ready for number two? As sad as that condition is, as sad as that is, and as weak and worn out as David is, and we see that prayer, what's this second point? David's sudden confidence. Did you get first? His sad condition. But watch in this Psalms chapter 6, his sudden confidence. He goes being from overwhelmed with the, ch the tragedy and the chastening and he becomes an overcomer and a triumphant child of God. Watch this. Verse 9, verse 8 and 9, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. 
For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. Can you just see him kind of realizing, my God's full of grace. My God's full of mercy. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. The Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. And don't you love this? The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled because he knew two wrongs didn't make it right. Remember, I've done touched on that. And they're using this for advantage to practice wickedness and lawlessness. Let them be ashamed to think that in my slipping and falling, they can take advantage of me in that situation. Let them be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Here's a man that's got a sad condition, and right in the middle of this prayer, can you just see a sudden burst of confidence? I mean, all of a sudden, it seems like his fears were stilled. I've got a God of mercy and grace. And all of a sudden, his foes were stopped because I've got a God that fights my battles for me. Man, I don't think you want to go through the sad condition to get the sudden confidence, but here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. It doesn't matter how many steps you've taken away from God. doesn't matter how much the sin snowballs on you like it did David. doesn't matter how many steps you've taken away from Him. You're never more than one step away from being back. And so David realized that. Thank God he's a God of mercy. Thank God he's a God of grace. I veered so far, and I hear it so many times, broken hearts come to the altar, and I've veered so far away from God. And my words to him always is, Mike, it don't matter how far you're away from God. Listen to me. I tell him, you're just one step from returning to a God that's full of grace and full of mercy. David had a sad condition. And, and I know this is a song that, that a contemporary guy sings, but I read these words, Joy of the desolate, light of the strain, hope of the penitent, fadeless and pure, here speaks the Comforter, tenderly saying, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. When I think of the tragedies that happen in life that we don't cause, I don't know how anybody could get through the death of a child. I don't, other than, Earth has no sorrows that heaven can't heal. But I read that and thought, even when it's our own doing, David is broken. He's got a sad condition. He's weak and he's weary. He's got sorrow. He's under the chastening hand of God. And you know what? Even when it's our own doing, guess what? Earth still has no sorrows that heaven can't heal. You hear tonight? You got some sorrows? Maybe nobody to blame but yourself. 
And mankind says to you, you made that bed, lie in it. Let your bed swim. Let your couch be drenched with tears. But God says, I'll dry them up. Even your mistakes, your earthly sorrow, they're in one that I can't heal. Whether it's yourself or whether it's just a tragedy, the sorrow that's in your life. Aren't you glad we're going through the Psalms and we're just reminded earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal? Let's all stand. I want to ask Mike to play one more time through. There may be somebody within the sound of my voice that's under the chastening hand of God tonight. Man, you may just want to come with a penitent heart. You're weak and you're weary. There's a sad condition you've put on the front and it's worn you out. But God knows what's in your life. And I'm here to tell you, even though you brought it into your life, nobody to blame but yourself, I'm here to tell you, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. You may be here tonight and you've got a sorrow. It just come down your pike. Well, I'm here to tell you, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people tonight. And we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you that the Bible teaches us no matter how many steps and how far we've walked away from you, we're just one step from returning to your loving, your graceful, and your merciful hands. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You need to come to the altar one more time. You come.